Good morning. Welcome home. We are so glad that you are here and you're with us today. I don't do this very often, but I shared last week with uh, two of the services, and I wanted to share with you this week that uh, Steve made that video and videos like this uh, by himself. That was a homemade video that he did at home. He's incredible. Let's give him a hand. Thank you so much for that. And so him and Bethany, we appreciate that. We're in a series called Habits. That w- that's what we're talking about. That obviously creates a little bit of tension when we start talking about habits because we all have habits that we know we need to get better at. And so uh, today we're going to be talking about that. Last week, though, we kicked off this series and we said a few things. And the most important thing that we said last week uh, is that we need to develop the habit of putting God first. And we also learned that the habits that we have today become the legacy that we will leave tomorrow. That's why this series is probably important to all of us is because the habits that we have today form and become the legacy that we leave tomorrow. Yesterday, my daughter turned 10, which is hard to believe she's a decade old, and we went to the skating rink to celebrate her birthday and my father-in-law came and he came in and then all of a sudden I saw him leave and uh, my mother-in-law said he's not feeling too good he's feeling dizzy and so I thought oh that's not good and then he came back in a little bit and I said hey are you okay and he goes yeah I think so and then I was on the other side of the roller skating rink and then I saw him go out and a bunch of people go out and I'm thinking oh man so he went to the doctor and anyway everything turns out fine he was just getting low on his blood sugar but while we didn't know what was going on we were leaving uh, the skating rink, and me and Luke and Noah were in the truck, and Luke leaned over to me and said, hey, Dad, we need to pay for Grandpa Mock. And I said, yeah, we do. And so I turned the radio down, and, and we prayed. And I got to thinking about that. He probably wouldn't have known to do that unless he's seen that. Not just from me, but from different people. Our habits today become our legacy tomorrow. And this morning, I want to talk to you about a habit that is the enemy of what we talked about last week. You remember last week we said the number one habit we need to have is to put God first above everything and everyone all the time. And the habit we're going to, talking, uh, we're going to be talking about today wants us to not worry about that habit, wants us to lose that habit that we talked about last week. In fact, I would call this habit kind of a habit that flies under the radar and is a habit that we can all be guilty of, and yet it has devastating consequences, and that's why we've called it the silent killer. This habit that flies under the radar, this, this habit that we don't see coming, this habit that most of the time we don't notice in others because we don't even always notice it in ourselves. And it's the habit of being lukewarm or spiritually apathetic. When you think of the word apathetic or lukewarm, it's talking about doing something half-hearted or unenthusiastic. If you're a coach, the worst thing in the world is to have somebody, no matter how talented they are, who just goes at it half-hearted who doesn't put their best foot forward, it just drives you crazy. When Noah's playing basketball, if he starts to go half-hearted on defense, it just drives me nuts. If you're a teacher and you see a student who has all this potential and, and 
you know that they could get this concept or they could really do something with what they're learning, but they're not even listening or they're half in and half out. It's just, it drives you crazy. We're all wired to appreciate someone who does things with all their heart. And we're, all, we're also naturally wired to get frustrated and maybe even be a little bit repulsed with someone who's half-hearted. Do you want your child to half-heartedly clean their room or half-heartedly say they're sorry? Essentially, that's what we're talking about today with, with uh, the church of Laodicea. It's a church in, the, in Revelations chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you want to go there or the Bible app, as Steve mentioned, you can go there as well. But Jesus is saying that, you know, most of us, we get focused on people half-heartedly doing all these other things and we forget that the most important thing that we have to avoid when it comes to apathy is spiritually. And that's essentially what Jesus is telling this church in Laodicea, is that your actions have caused your soul, not just your defense in basketball, that it has caused your soul to be apathetic. And as a result of that, that has caused tension in our relationship. And so we're going to be looking at that today. So in Revelation chapter 3, John dictates Jesus' words to this church. He says to the angel of the church, and most likely he's saying to the pastor of the church, tell your people that I have seen their habits, their actions, their works, their fruit. And it's proof to me that their relationship with me is lukewarm. Have you ever had a friend or someone that you're close to, or maybe even your own child, and you can tell by, by the way that they're treating you and the way that they're acting that something has changed? And you can say, something's up between that husband and that wife. Or something's up between that son and that daughter. Or something's up with my husband and I. Or something's up with this person at work. Why? Eh, I can just tell. Well, how can you tell? Their actions. Well, do they say anything? Well, no, not necessarily, but I can, I don't know. I can just, they're nonverbal communication. And then other times we can see it. That's what Jesus is saying to this church. They have lost, if they were a knife, they used to be sharp and now they're dull. They've lost their zeal for me. They've lost their love for me. They've lost, they've forgotten the power that I give them because the tomb is empty. In fact, what Laodicea had done is their deeds. I know what you do. I know all the things you do. They were known, Laodicea was known for banking and finance and, and clothing, believe it or not. And they became a wealthy city and they had gotten deceived by their wealth, deceived by their material things. And so as a result, if you understand what he's saying here, we're going to talk about it. He says, I know all the things you do that you are neither, let's read it, hot. I wish that you were one or the other. Now what he's talking about here is if you understand where Laodicea is on the map, Laodicea, as I mentioned earlier, was a town that was wealthy. But to the north of Laodicea was a town called Heropolis, and they were known for hot water. Specifically, hot springs. So when Jesus says, I wish you were hot, 
Okay, he's not talking about physically. He says, I wish that you had hot water like your neighboring town. And that town had hot water. It was hot springs and it was used for medicinal purposes, for people, for healing and that kind of a thing. He says, I wish that you were hot like your neighboring town to the north or cold like your neighboring town to the south, which was known for pure cold drinking water. But you are neither hot like your neighboring city to the north nor cold like your neighboring city to the south. I know that north and south are this way, but the screen runs this way. You are, you are, you are useless. You are lukewarm. I wish that you were useful like the hot springs or cold like the cold drinking water, but you are lukewarm. And Jesus says, I find your church presently useless because of those habits. So, this is harsh. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. When you study the Greek word lukewarm, it means tepid soul. Lukewarm soul. In fact, it was, if you ever had somebody give you news that you knew was coming, you saw it coming, you know, you knew that your boss was going to sit you down and say that they're going to have to make cuts and you're going to, you know, be one of those cuts or you knew you weren't doing a job at work, so you saw it coming. You didn't want to be fired, but you knew it was coming or, or you knew what the doctor was going to say. You just saw it coming. But then there's other times where someone will catch you out of the blue and blindside you and you're like, whoa. Many of us have been blindsided in some way. We just, like it happened and you weren't seeing it coming. And, and Laodicea, it's almost like they don't even see it. And Jesus says to them that your habit of idolatry is so advanced that you have become completely delusional about your relationship with me. I mean, that's pretty harsh for somebody to look at you and go, you're delusional. And then he goes on to say, you say that you're rich because you're basing your, your richness off of your, your bank accounts. You're basing your richness off of your successful business. Remember I said earlier they were known for wealth. They were known for banking. They were known for financing. They were known for creating and, and putting together the clothing for the, not only their area but around them. You say that you're rich and that you've acquired wealth and you don't need a thing, including me. But what you don't know is that while you might be wealthy on earth, you are spiritually bankrupt. What? Because you have put those things ahead of me which is the entire Bible. You are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Anything else? The habit that can so easily form naturally is to get focused on what we can see. And Jesus says, that's a wrong habit. Your focus needs to be on what you can't see, which is me. 
Jesus points the church away from the, 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 the habit that's formed naturally. It's natural to, to enjoy and crave success. And then when you have success, you want more success. It's natural to want to put all you have into these things that are making you feel good about yourself. But I want to tell you today, you need to stop being natural, Laodicea, and you need to start intentionally focusing on me. Because this over here is distracting you from me. He gives them counsel. I counsel you to buy from what? To buy from. He's telling them you're buying the wrong gold. You're investing in something that's going to go bankrupt. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become what? You're poor. You see yourself as rich, but you're poor. It's hard sometimes to always be able to see ourselves objectively. Jesus is reminding Laodicea, but also us today, that we were created in his image to glorify him and to become rich according to his word, and to become rich in his spirit. And then he tells them, so be earnest, which means sincere, and repent. It's interesting when we think about this story today, that This repentance takes place through the door of humility, not through the door of pride. It's so easy at times in our lives to get so focused on doing things ourselves and being self-dependent, not depending on other people. And we can almost transfer that over to God and we can, in a sense, become our own God. And determine for our own lives what's best. And Jesus is saying that's an easy habit to get into. So be careful. But then he says to him, have you ever like parents, we've all done this before where you have to kind of give your kids the truth, not the grace. You know what I'm saying? Here's the truth. But then afterwards, you put your arm around him and you say, now, I love you. Jesus gives Laodicea the truth that they have fallen in love with something that's not God. But then he says, now remember, those whom I love, let's finish it together, I rebuke. In other words, if I didn't care, I wouldn't correct you. Why would I waste my time correcting and rebuking someone that I don't care about? Jesus is explaining to them also that while their lukewarm habits have kicked them outside, he still knocks on the door of their heart. 
Now, the last time that I checked, you don't knock on a door from the inside. You knock on the door from what? He's writing this letter to the church, not to the people, but to the believers. And he says, you've gotten so consumed with worldly possessions and wealth and all the other things that I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Here I am. I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice, in other words, if anyone turns the volume down on the things in their life that are distracting them and pulling them away from my heart and opens the door, I will come in. The implication is here that he used to be in. And now he's out because of their habits. I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Meaning relationship. He's saying those who return to the habit of putting me first will receive heaven and all that comes with it. As a reward. He says in verse 21a. To the one who is victorious. I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Jesus is basically explaining to them. That their decision. Has more than just. Relationship now. That it it has an internal relationship. It has an, an eternal perspective. I want to do a demonstration that kind of helps us understand this morning what that looks like. Nate, would you come up here real quick and help me hold this? You can just stretch it to that speaker and then drop it down. When we think of eternity, it's kind of hard to understand. But if you can't see very well, I've got a big long rope up here. Do you all see this red line, red tape on there? This red tape represents our life on earth. And the rest of this tape, along with a lot more, or the rest of this rope, along with a lot more rope than this, represents how long eternity is. What Jesus was explaining to Laodicea is that you put all your hope and dreams and opinion of yourself and things that are only going to last this long. And you've forgotten. There's a whole lot more left. I think that's why Jesus isn't sympathetic for believers who are spiritually Apathetic. Thank you, Nate. Jesus uses 
believers to share the gospel and to share the message of Jesus Christ. He depends on our relationship with Him to sharpen us. And when we allow things in the world or the hobbies and the habits that we have to to not just be a hobby or not just be something that we're interested in, but when it becomes first place in our life, it silently kills our ability to inspire others to follow God. You ever had a teacher in school or a coach that it wasn't what they said that motivated you? It was how they said it. Have you ever had a teacher or coach that it wasn't what they said that unmotivated you? It was how they said it. And Jesus is saying here today that we can't hide if we are spiritually apathetic. Jesus isn't sympathetic for believers who are spiritually apathetic. Many of us remember not all that long ago that there was a shooting in Orlando and it took the life of 17 children in a school. And there was an officer um, who pointed out that there was a few officers that didn't go in the school while the shooting was taking place. They stayed outside, and some of you are familiar with that story. And what was really interesting was, is while these 17 people were killed by this guy that was in there shooting, but there was this, one of the police, one of the police officers comes to the scene, gets out of his car, he's got his uniform on, he's got his gun, he's got training on what he's supposed to do, He's got the power and the resources to make a difference. And he doesn't even go in. There's a video clip that I want you to see where this officer is talking about his subordinate. What's devastating about it? This man was trained. This man had the resource, the resources and the knowledge to do something about it. And he didn't do anything. That's essentially what Jesus is telling Laodicea. You have allowed the things in the world to distract you. Not while 17 people are being killed in a school. 
But while other people in the world are suffering and hurting and lost and desperate and broken and need to know that Jesus is Lord and your apathy for my message is disgusting. And it's so disgusting that it makes me want to spit you out of my mouth. If I said anything different today, I wouldn't be doing justice to what this is saying. And I got to thinking about that. Imagine what would happen at the end of our life if it wasn't an officer that was saying this about a subordinate. That it was Jesus saying it about me and saying it about you. We're going to watch that clip again. But I want us to imagine that that officer was Jesus. And he's talking about us. What I saw was a baby that was born in my image, that I gave them the gift of music and the gift of singing, and they never used it for me. They used it for their own gain and for others. What I saw was someone who had the gift of encouragement, but allowed the circumstances in their life to drown and choke out that gift that I gave them, and they never used it. What I saw was a person who was gifted athletically or financially or with the gift of art or with the gift of something, whatever it is. And for whatever circumstances, they never used it. Or if they used it, they did it half-heartedly. See, I want to tell you this morning that Jesus isn't just talking about the church in Laodicea. He's not just talking about you. He's not just talking about me. He's talking about all people who call Jesus Savior and Lord. Be careful of the silent killer of being lukewarm, of becoming spiritually apathetic. Because you don't catch it really, but it's like that unmotivated teacher or that unmotivated coach or that person who's saying all the right things, but nothing about them is inspiring you. Nothing about them is making you want to change. Nothing about them is is motivating you to do it. They don't see the hope and the joy in your life. And it's the silent killer because on the outside, you can't really figure out what it is. But it doesn't move you. It doesn't make you want to do anything. Jesus says, I want you to be so in love with me. I want you to put me first above everyone and everything all the time. Because it will inspire you. And it will inspire others to be like me. But when we're apathetic... It's not hot and it's not cold. It's useless. I was talking to 
a guy the other day who has no context really of church. And he was talking about a guy that he knew that was a believer. He didn't, that guy he's talking about didn't go here. And I'm not just saying that so we feel good. He really wasn't talking about a believer that went here. But this guy I know that he's talking about went to church somewhere and claimed to know Jesus. And he said, you know, such and such is supposed to be this Christian, but he's really mean. He doesn't forgive. He's still stuck on things that happened. And you're the pastor, Kyle. I mean, you go to a church, and I know he doesn't go to yours, but can you explain to me, like, I don't even want... How did he say it? He goes, if that's what this is all about, then I don't want any part of that. And that's why Jesus calls that attitude useless because it doesn't inspire anybody. In fact, it drives them the other direction. Lukewarm Christians in any day, not just in, two, in 2018, in any time in history, hurts the kingdom. It doesn't help it. So well, here's what Jesus says. <clears throat> he says, be earnest, which means sincere, and repent. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. In other words, what he's saying here is it's okay that you're hearing this and you're not liking it as long as you do something about it. That's essentially what he's telling Laodicea. And I kind of wonder today if it's what he's telling us. Now, before we feel terrible about ourselves, we have all committed this sin at some point in our life. And sometimes we have some pretty good excuses as to why we don't. One of the reasons is, is because we've had something horrible happen to us or we've had several horrible things happen to us or we've seen a lot of people in our life like the guy that my friend saw and we don't really want anything to do with that. But Jesus is reminding us today that if you're one of mine, then I don't just get to tell you when you're doing things right. I also have to encourage you when you're doing things you shouldn't be doing and remind you that you're falling victim to this silent habit of being lukewarm and being spiritually apathetic. And it's not that you can't do what I'm asking. He's telling them it's that you won't. The rich young ruler, Jesus tells him what he needs to do and he won't do it. There's a difference between you can't do it or you won't do it. Yesterday, Noah, we were home last night and I just got worried that he's going to get in this mindset of thinking that he doesn't have to do anything anymore. He can just sit around for the next few weeks. And so we said, no, you need to get up and go in there and do the dishes. And he said, I can't. It's too hard to do that can't do it. I don't know how I'm going to get it open. And so we had a discussion. He didn't want to do it. And I said, you're going to do it. You're going to figure out how to do it. 
I'm not going to tell you you're going to do it. Had this big, long conversation. He went over it and he did it. A little bit later, Whitney noticed that the rabbit was out of food. He lives outside. And Whit said, you need to go outside and feed the rabbit. And he starts in again. I can't. I can't do it. Tears coming down his face. I said, you can do it. You still want to do it. And I... He was sitting on the couch and I went over to him and he didn't know what I was going to do. And I took his legs and I spread them as far apart as I could. And I said, I was in a cast with my legs this far apart for two years. And I would run laps during gym class with all the other kids because I wanted so bad to not be handicapped and not have to have that mindset. I said, so don't tell me that you can. You can't because I did. And I left him. Whitney and I stood at the window while he went outside to make sure he didn't fall. He went down the steps and into the shed, got the food out, went over to where the rabbit was, fed the rabbit, put it back, shut the door, dogs at his feet just like normal, came back in the house. And I said, don't tell me that you can't do it. Jesus died and was raised to life so that we can do it. This morning, as we stand together today, I wonder if there's anybody in here this morning that would say, there's something other than God that's first place in your life. I realize this is a heavy message today and it's a little bit different. But it's so important. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just ask you this question today. Is everything okay between you and God? Would you say that you're lukewarm? Would you say that you're sharp for God? Or have you allowed some other things to get in there? And if if you begin to think of what those are, God's probably placed those in your mind and in your heart. And in the same way that He called Laodicea to repent... He calls us to do the same. And if you don't know how to do that or you're unsure, with your head bowed and your eye closed, you can simply pray this in in your head. Lord Jesus, today, this is an area in my life that has drifted me away from you. And you can just list it, whatever it is. Could even be something good, but it's, it's not God. And Father, today, I just repent of that today, which means that I do my best to turn from that. And I, I sincerely ask you to, to come back into my heart. And I sense you're knocking on my door's heart and I just just ask you to come back in today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed something like that, would you just slip your hand up? Amen. Lord God, we thank you today that you love us that you care about us, and that you call us. Father, sharpen our hearts today. May we be found, Lord, going after you and proclaiming your message. And Father, remind us of that rope illustration. May our lives be based on what's next, not just what's right now. We thank you in Jesus' name. The question question today as we leave is, How do we avoid being lukewarm?
Sometimes we'll be having dinner and my daughter will bring in her iPad, start to play on it. She's distracted. And I'll say, give me that. Turn it off. You can have it back later. I think today, God's calling all of us, me me too, to starting to identify and eliminate the things that are keeping us distracted and keeping us from putting God first. That doesn't mean that we have to totally get rid of the iPad and throw it in the trash, but it definitely can't take place over us having relationship and bonding. That makes sense, right? So in your life, how do you avoid being lukewarm? Spend more time praying, more time reading His Word, less time making excuses why you can't be here, and more time talking to God about the things that He wants you to do and to be. The closer that we get to God, the more sensitive we will be to those times and those things that come up that we need to eliminate. The farther that we are from God, the easier it is to justify those things. Lord Jesus, today, thank you that you love us so much that you died for us. Thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to rebuke us and to discipline us. Thank you, Lord, that you give us grace to change and grace to work. Father, today, if there's somebody in here that's got some distraction in their life that's keeping them from being what you want them to be. Give them the courage, Lord, to make that change. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, and we thank you for your truth. In Jesus' name, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a blessed Sunday.